How to win a bar fight and practice diplomacy while negotiating a bounty on your head. From Civil Wars, Whistleblower Tactics, Schematic Drafting, and the Finer Points of Sith Adoption, The Essential How-To Guide for the Engineering Jedi, by Jack Daw read by Sam Gabriel, based on the works of George Lucas. Content warnings available in description. Chapter 10 And allow it to lead me where it pleases. The ride to the next station was, in Zev's opinion, dark, cramped, and slightly damp, at least until they moved more to the back of the car Luke had ordered them all into and he'd rigged the lighting. A dull yellow glow came from the light strips overhead and illuminated the bare-bones metal compartment filled with crates and boxes, though thankfully the back of the compartment was dry and comfortably warm. At least there wasn't any turbulence, and sitting cross-legged on a tarp-covered crate, he found some welcome comfort while he watched Luke double-check the compartment they were in, securing doors, rigging the lights, and eventually turning towards the rest of them with a small supply of emergency first aid. It wasn't much, but the few grazes they'd gotten from the flying shrapnel were cleaned with antiseptic wipes and closed with traveler stitches if necessary, though so far they'd only needed three in total, and two were for one of Luke's gashes. Sighing, he rearranged his legs so he could prop his chin up on his knees, watching wearily as Luke tended to a red-faced Tyrion while awaiting his own checkup as mandated by his runner. Force, that still didn't feel real. Looks like everything is in order, Luke muttered as he eyed Tyrion's bare torso critically, pressing lightly on the large, already purpling bruises with practiced movements, before dragging a finger through a nearby open jar and carefully smearing the gathered salve onto the bruise. Tyrion winced slightly, but mostly seemed occupied by hiding his cherry-red cheeks in his shirt. Nothing seems to be broken or cracked, no major lacerations or internal bleeding as far as I can tell, but the bruises over the old scars on your chest might be somewhat more sensitive than the others, so avoid putting pressure or strain on them. Tyrion nodded while stifling a squeaking sound into his shirt, face so red he nearly seems to glow, and Zev grimaced in sympathy. He didn't think he'd be doing too well either once he had to submit to an examination of his injuries, no matter how secure the air of sheer no-nonsense professionalism was around Luke ever since this whole bizarre adventure had started. Quinn, the bastard, was looking on in open amusement at his and Tyrion's misfortune, having volunteered to go first in his examination and already received the one stitch and light painkillers he'd needed that Luke had produced from who knows where. Apparently, Quinn had bruising and possible hairline fractures or similar on two of his left ribs where the blast had managed to get him with a glancing shrapnel shot despite Luke's shielding. Nothing was broken, though, and considering all that could have been far, far worse if it weren't for Luke's timely intervention, a few bruises and a stitch were far more preferable than the alternative. And having gone first meant that Quinn could now laugh at the rest of them while they still had to suffer silently through their own examinations. The bruises will still be tender, but I see nothing that would require immediate further treatment, Luke said as he finished prodding at the last bruise, applying more salve after it was deemed to be in passable condition. Let the salve work for a few moments, and you can put your shirt back on, but let me know if anything feels off or if I missed something, 
We'll be on the move and on the run, so don't hide anything or it could hinder you at a critical moment. Yes, sir, Tyrion squeaked as he hastily jumped off from the crate, nearly tripping in his haste to go sit with Quinn and get his shirt to cover him back up as he tried to do both simultaneously. Force, a lung groaned quietly from next to him, and Zev's mood abruptly soured as he remembered who was also there. He isn't even trying to be subtle about it. Excuse you, Zev hissed back just as quietly. Who asked you for your opinion? That got Alun to give him a dirty glare, and Zev glared right back. Just because Luke had somehow decided to save this sorry piece of work from whatever the hell had happened back in the buffet hall didn't mean he had to like it, or pretend that he was happy for Alun to be here in any aspect. Zev, Luke called out, seemingly oblivious to the conflict though he wondered how much of that was true once he saw the quick, severe glance being shot their way out of the corner of Luke's eye. You ready to be examined as well, or no? Honestly, no, but he realized the situation he was in well enough to know that being recalcitrant and obstinate about getting his injuries checked out was an idiot choice to make. Luke was the only one of them who knew what he was doing, and cooperating with things like medical examinations or other orders seemed like trivial things, when he considered that Luke had just taken on a whole group of professional killers and outmaneuvered them all. So instead he nodded and hopped off of the crate, stripping off his jacket and starting to unbutton his shirt on the way there while Luke wiped down his hands thoroughly with an antiseptic wipe, making sure to dig into the grooves of his prosthesis. Shrugging off his shirt entirely and plopping himself down on the crate, he resolutely tried not to think about how he felt everyone's eyes on him as Luke finished disinfecting his hands. Any paints? Luke asked while tossing the used wipe with the others, starting the examination by scrutinizing Zev deeply, and he repressed the reflexive urge to shudder. I'm already seeing some heavy bruising, but that doesn't necessarily have to mean anything. My right side, he admitted, pulling away his arm and wincing as it pulled on a still somewhat fresh graze there, and Luke hummed in time with his wince as his eyes zeroed in on the wound. Clicking his tongue, the runner pulled out another antiseptic wipe from the pocket on his vest that was apparently stuffed with all manner of medical supplies. Normally Zev would ask what the hell he was planning for that he had this kind of equipment on him, but, well, this will sting, Luke told him bluntly as he finished unwrapping and folding the wipe soaked in an antibacterial solution. Feel free to do anything except scream loudly, hurt yourself, or punch me to make the pain more bearable. Want something to bite on? Yes, please, he agreed less than eager to have whatever concoction was on that wipe clean his already stinging wound. With a nimble flick of his hand, Luke reached into one of the many, many pockets on his person and produced a thick strip of crumpled leather. It looked a lot like what he'd offered Quinn, but had been refused. It's jerky, Luke informed him quietly. Dried meat. It'll give you something to bite down on, and also hopefully a boost in energy. I don't have much of it on me, but it should, alongside some grain bars, tied us over in tight spots. Is there anything you want prepared for with that vest? He grumbled while taking the jerky, biting down on it and being pleasantly surprised when it tasted both savory and salty. More than I would like, Luke muttered back, grabbing his shoulder with one hand to steady him while he eyed the wound. Now ready? One, two... The wipe passed over the wound, and Zev immediately had regrets. Thank fuck for the jerky, because damn it, that stung. Zev grunted against the pain and clenched his hands into the side of the crate, the stings coming and going in quick, fast bursts as Luke cleaned his wound with equally fast and precise movements. 
He'd clearly done this before and was being careful not to jar the wound too much, which was a good thing, because the salty, savory taste of the jerky could only distract him so much as he sank his teeth into it like a vice. Then Luke went deeper into the wound, and Zev could feel every single sting and burn of the antiseptic and thread of the tarp under his clenching fingers. Fuck, 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 that hurt. Just a bit more, Zev, Luke muttered as he cleaned the wound with what felt like seawater laced with glass. Looks like you'll need a stitch or two as well, by the way. I don't see this healing up very cleanly otherwise. You fine with that? He nodded and unclenched one hand from the crate edge to pull the chewed-up jerky strip from his mouth. Just fuck, he hissed as the antiseptic made another pass. Just do what you need to do. Damn it, fuck. He quickly jammed the strip back in his mouth before another swear could escape him, clenching his teeth back into the tough, dry meat. Luke nodded firmly as he proceeded with cleaning the wound, but it wasn't enough to distract Zev from the snort he heard coming from where the regrettable presence of Alun was. Glaring up at the sorry excuse of a prince through the pain where he was met with an unimpressed look and a raised eyebrow, he considered eating through the jerky just so he could give Alun a piece of his mind when Luke spoke up, calm and deliberate. I certainly hope that sound was from a quiet conversation I am neither hearing nor seeing, your highness. He said evenly as the white made a final deep pass through the wound, wiping around the edges one last time before Luke pulled back and straightened up to his full height with a measured look towards the prince, as I personally would be rather disturbed if you found amusement in this. Vindication was never so sweet as Alun promptly lost the smug look and averted his eyes while Luke stared him down, calmly cleaning his hands with yet another antiseptic wipe until he was apparently satisfied turning back to Zev as if he hadn't just put the fucker in his place in a way Zev wished he was capable of. Another medical packet was pulled out, and this time it contained the odd stitches Zev had admittedly never seen before. Usually, if an injury was bad enough, a back-to-patch would be applied, and that would be that. The wound would heal, and there would rarely, if ever, be a scar to show for it. Not this time. Luke had insisted that he only had so much back to on him and that it was better reserved for when the situation was extremely dire and they needed drastic measures. Unless that time came to pass, they would all have to be content with the various salves and stitches Luke had on him, which, considering that Luke had promptly set about doing his own wound care without even blinking, no one had really dared to argue as they watched the runner clean his own wounds consisting of several gashes and grazes before stitching down two of them. Frankly, it had been kind of surreal to watch how matter-of-factly Luke had gone about his own injuries, nearly looking bored as he patched up his gashes and grazes. But if he was honest with himself, it had also filled him with a deep reassurance. This was Luke, and Luke was a runner, a term that, in and of itself, didn't mean much to Zev. But combined with the explanation he'd been given all those months ago and the experiences he'd just had, it had been like finding a rock in a storm at sea. This was someone who knew, down to his core, what he was doing, had done it over a hundred times before, it seemed. Luke knew what he was doing, and after all that had happened, seeing that small moment of confident, assured stability in something like first aid was enough to calm his racing heart down. And as he looked around to the others, searching for their reactions, he saw that, even without the added information he had, that hunted, panicked, wild look in their eyes had started to fade as well. Which led to where they were now, with all of them patiently waiting for their runner to attend to their medical needs one by one in this moment of respite. 
Luke opened up the medical packet and pulled out the strange devices he'd seen earlier, two adhesive strips connected across the middle by what seemed to be miniature zip ties that functioned as the stitches, run through two small plastic loops that would allow them to be tightened. As he'd explained earlier to Quinn while placing his, they were far from permanent, but for the time period during which they'd be on the run, they'd likely function just fine. They would also reduce the risk of pulling any stitches if they had to do any crazy maneuvers, and in Zeb's opinion, a lower risk of tearing through skin with one wrong movement when he already felt like he'd been run over by a speeder was always a good thing. Slightly adjusting the bend of Zeb's body, Luke pulled the paper off of the adhesive pads and carefully pasted them on either side of the gash, Zev wincing as the tension on the not-yet-tightened stitches pressed the wound open. But with one hand, Luke took off the pressure and began pulling on the stitches. With small clicking sounds, the stitches began to pull the wound closed, Luke alternating between the stitches so that it happened evenly, and Zev found it easier with the movement to focus away from the lessening pain. When the gash was finally closed off from the open air, Luke pulled back and reached for the pair of wire cutters he'd used earlier to snip off the now useless and sticking out ends of the stitches, leaving a closed-up wound that would hopefully hold until real medical attention could be given to it. All right, that should do it for that one. Feel free to eat through the jerky now, Luke muttered as he rummaged through his medical pocket for another packet, producing a white adhesive bandage that unfolded into a large gauze pad while Zev wolfed down the now-chewed-up strip of dried meat. Like Luke had said, it wasn't much, but it would hopefully help. I'll cover this up to prevent anything from getting into the wound regardless of the stitches, and that should hold it until you can get it looked at. Anything else that hurts worse than the rest? Not immediately, he denied, swallowing down the jerky and shifting his body a bit to get a feel for where it stung or burned before Luke held him still again to paste the bandage over the stitches. It's just the right side that hurts like a bitch. There might be some cracked ribs under there as well, then, Luke informed him as he checked the bandage to see if everything had gone well. They're definitely bruised either way, but I'll need to do some poking and prodding to see if there's cracks too before I can give you a painkiller. Do your worst. He joked with a grin that was, admittedly, somewhat weakened by the fact that now that the adrenaline had worn off, he really did feel like he'd been hit by a speeder. Luke seemed to understand what he was saying, though, and shot him a brief, sympathetic smile before his face went deadly serious once more. Sitting through the poking and prodding at all his sore and discolored spots, however gentle and clinically handled, was both as miserable, with jolts and spikes of brief pain, as it was mortifying— with the worst of the pain over and done with, he was acutely aware that he was sitting shirtless, battered, and somewhat bleeding and bruised in front of four other people, including his future boss, though admittedly that last fact was a lot harder to be cognizant of, when at the moment Luke was nothing so much like his old boss or CO as he was, well, his runner, he guessed. That didn't take away from the fact that by the time Luke was done with his examinations and had concluded that while he might have some hairline cracks, he couldn't feel any fractures anywhere, Zav could feel his whole face burn with mortified heat. Sitting there with a face that someone could probably fry an egg on while Luke carefully applied salve to the worst of the bruises and cleaned out a few more minor cuts that, thank the fucking force, didn't hurt as bad as the first one. His mind seemed to be able to focus on nothing but how damn close Luke was and the brief flashes of pain. All right, that seems to be the worst of it, Luke declared as he pulled away and eyed the bruises on Zev's torso one last time, and he resisted shifting under the attention. Do you want a painkiller to help you through the rest of the run? It won't be a strong one, I'm afraid, but it should take the edge off.
Even just the thought of having to dodge and run and jump like he had in their escape without something to dull the pain of his two injuries was enough to make him go green around the gills, and he quickly nodded. Luke grimaced in sympathy and produced two little green pills from who knows where and handed them to him alongside his hip flask, and Zev promptly swallowed both pills down with a swig of water. Taking back the flask once he was done, Luke popped the cap back on, stashed it away, and began disinfecting his hands again with another antiseptic wipe. You're good to go, Zev, Luke told him while scrubbing under his nails with the wipe. Just let the salve work in for a few moments and you can put your shirt back on. Let me know if anything shows up or if the stitches slip. The adhesive on them is strong, but with the amount of ground I foresee us covering, they could always end up slipping and would need to be replaced in that case. Luke paused in the cleaning of his hands to glance up to Zev with a severe look. And don't try to be a hero or tough out any pain. You won't be helping anyone if you collapse halfway through our journey because you refused to tell anyone you had a broken bone. Zev swallowed nervously as electric blue eyes bored into his own and seemed to look right through him, nodding his agreement quickly as sweat prickled at the back of his neck at the intense scrutiny. Yes, sir, he mumbled, quickly gathering up his shirt and jacket as he scurried over to the other two while Luke focused his attention on Alun. Quinn was still observing all the proceedings with far too much amusement, while Tyrion's face had yet to lose any of its redness. Even if he had managed to get his shirt back on in the meantime and was only occasionally sneaking glances at the people around him, mostly Luke, though. "'How are you feeling, bro?' Quinn muttered while Lun began the process of submitting to Luke's no-nonsense first-aid care, Zev plopping down beside him when it seemed like Tyrion wouldn't exactly be one for much conversation at the moment. "'Like I was in the blast zone of a bomb,' he snarked dryly while trying to regain some of his lost composure, and Quinn snorted at his retort. Give it a couple of moments, he advised quietly while watching Alon yelp as one of his cuts was cleaned out, before quickly being silenced by a stern look from Luke. I don't know what's in those painkillers, but if this is not that strong, I'm curious to know what he thinks of as the good stuff. Quinn arched his back slightly, and Zev grimaced at the cracking sounds that emerged. It certainly dulls the pain by a good deal, let me tell you that. And your mind? Zev asked, suddenly concerned, because, ah, shit... If he had to do that all over again with a muddled mind, and Luke hadn't taken any painkillers himself either. Relax, Zev, Quinn groaned, leaning onto his propped-up leg and looking on as Alun bit through the pain, getting various shallow cuts cleaned out. My mind feels fine, it's just no longer running on nothing but adrenaline and pain. Feels a lot clearer, actually. Suddenly Quinn grinned wide and turned towards him with a sly look. Probably clearer than your head was while Luke was rubbing salve on those bruises, eh? He blinked. What the hell does that have to do with anything? And Quinn promptly rolled his eyes. You'll figure it out soon enough, he told him with a dismissive wave. And then I'll make sure to be there to tell you I told you so when you do. You haven't even told me anything yet, he protested, keeping his voice as quiet as he could. For some reason he got the distinct feeling that he really didn't want Luke to overhear this conversation. What are you even talking about? Quinn shot him a flat look before rolling his eyes. Come on, dude, he muttered. Really? Still haven't caught a clue? But you're annoyingly vague, Zev shot back dryly. Sure have, Quinn, sure have. Quinn sighed deeply and shook his head. He'll get there eventually, he muttered under his breath. He'll get there eventually, Quinn, don't you worry. And just for that, Zev punched him on the shoulder while Quinn gleefully cackled away. No fighting, 
Luke suddenly spoke up without even glancing up from where he was cleaning one of Alun's scrapes. I just patched you both up, and if I have to expend more of our limited medicine because you two decided to make our hunters' jobs easier for them, I'll be incredibly disappointed. Sorry, sir, he quickly muttered, hunching his shoulders while Quinn bobbed along his head, looking every bit as contrite. Alun shot them both a smug look with a raised eyebrow, but Zev felt sufficiently avenged when he promptly winced afterwards as Luke dug into one of his cuts. Quinn eyed Luke for a moment while Zeb decided that the salve had probably gotten enough time by now, and he shrugged on his shirt, buttoning it up when Quinn opened his mouth again. Not to sound ungrateful, he whispered under his breath, but aren't either of you two curious as to what the hell's going on with Lars, Luke? He paused for a moment as he contemplated both names, evidently uncomfortable and unsure which he was supposed to actually use. He seems to prefer Luke most of the time. Zev waiting quietly, and Quinn shot him a grateful look. But I wouldn't talk about someone who might be listening. Zev's right, you know, Luke piped up, stepping away from Alun to unwrap several bandages and to shoot them all a long look from the corner of his eyes, the dim light from above giving him a foreboding look so unlike the usual sunny disposition Zev had come to know, and he could feel Quinn freeze up right beside him. Besides, if you have any questions, I'll be done in a moment and able to answer some while we discuss the situation we're in. Yes, sir, Quinn hastily agreed, looking just a tad pale in the face. Sorry, sir. When he hunched down as if in an attempt not to be seen, Zev shot him and I told you so, raised eyebrow that Quinn met with a sour glower. They didn't speak another word after that while Luke finished up treating Alon's wounds, subtly intimidated by Luke's somewhat uncharacteristic severity. Even though he'd known that this was a part of Luke, or rather, he'd had a vague impression of something like this being a part of Luke, seeing the sudden shift from a cheery, friendly, compassionate young man to someone who could, with frighteningly casual precision, stab someone in the throat with a broken Montar flute was... jarring. That entire moment had, frankly, been jarring. The lead-up in which Luke had, in complete seriousness, said that he'd felt someone follow them with malicious intentions had been weird and, if he was honest with himself, incredibly creepy. That he'd then dragged in the stormtroopers who'd not only taken him entirely seriously, but had promptly started carrying out plans based on Luke's information had been even more worrisome. And then Luke had said that said people were coming towards them, they had company, and they were armed. Frankly, once Luke had said to let him speak, act on his orders in the conversation, and that he knew what he was doing, Zev had been more than a little relieved at the fact that he wasn't expected to talk to the people apparently so heavily armed that Luke could see it in their movements. What hadn't been a relief was that, after a tense conversation where Luke had given an acting performance worthy of an award, while the two Merc's own act had slipped further and further, the lady had pulled a gun on them, something which Luke had apparently also expected. How? Hell, if Zev knew, but he wasn't about to question how Luke could do most things as long as he proved himself to be more competent than most people Zev had ever met. But Luke had expected the gun, had expected the threats, and stayed remarkably calm. It had honestly been eerie just how casual and calm Luke was about the whole situation, standing there like nothing in the world could touch him, lightly swirling the montar on his flute, as he looked almost amused at the mercenary's attempts at threatening him into compliance. Then the final threat had come. Luke had risen up out of his chair with controlled poise and grace, 
hadn't even looked at the mercs as he declined one final time until the very last moment, and Zev could admit to himself he'd been both mesmerized and awestruck by the way Luke had handled himself, and that everything had become a blur of motion, broken glass and spray of blood, as Luke had lunged forward faster than he could track to jam the broken stalk of his flute into the woman's throat. Not even five seconds later he'd taken her blaster and shot a man, growled and shot him again. Four more times, in fact, before reloading and shooting him in the head, all of which had admittedly been more than a bit of a blur for Zev the moment he'd realized that his future boss and current runner was no longer standing next to him, but had instead launched himself at someone pointing a gun at him with a shank and one. And then a bomb had gone off, which Luke had also shielded them from without a second thought, and they'd been shot at, which Luke had led them through an escape from. And now they were here, getting patched up by Luke from all of that, and all right, he could admit it. He was more than a little in awe of their runner, and perhaps also just a tad bit scared of him. He'd just seen him put a bolt in a man with an expression that said he found it no more unpleasant a task than pulling weeds so sue him. And it seemed that the rest of the guys were in full agreement with him. Tyrion was, well, probably crushing hard on Luke— he wasn't going to lie, even if Luke himself didn't seem to realize it. Quinn didn't seem to be in quite the same boat as Tyrion, but the fact that he was still treating Luke with more respect and deference than he did the entire school staff definitely said something. Force, even a Lund seems to be unwilling to tangle with Lars for dominance and deferred to the runner. Not that, for once, he blamed the prince for that. Luke was... he had a presence you just didn't really want to argue with— a presence you wanted to follow and trust, even when he wasn't actively taking charge. But now, now that he had shed any pretenses and was showing the steel core that laid inside him for all to see with no shame or qualms, the runner had become like, like a force of nature, something you didn't argue with, but either followed or just got the hell out of its way. Even now, in the calm of their compartment alongside the dusty crates and under a pale yellow light, he was unwrapping bandages and tending to wounds. And there was an air of power and authority around him, of calm control and composure. Long gone was the innocent, cheery, naive facade of Luke Lars, ex-Hollinet star and accidental recruit of Darth Vader who made it big. In its place stood a young man fully in control of the situation, the air around him bristling with experience and competence as he took charge of their small group, without a hitch or complaint from anyone. This was Luke Lars, the runner, and Zev had to admit he wasn't opposed to this version of his boss. If this was who was going to be giving him his marching orders as a secretary, he would be fine with that, which potentially said things about him that he was going to examine when they weren't in danger of getting shot at. All right, Luke said as he checked the bandages and bruises one final time before stepping away from Alun. That should be all. The same goes for you as for all the others. Your Highness, give the staff some time to work before putting your shirt back on. Tell me if it gets any worse and don't try to hide any injuries. We want to catch anything as early as possible when it can hopefully still be mitigated, not when it's already progressed and might require more severe measures to be taken. Yes, sir, Alun agreed as he dipped his head and for once his voice sounded entirely devoid of the usual snobbery and arrogance, something that oddly enough made Zev feel more than a little vindicated in his previous assessment. Well then, Luke said as he cleaned off his hand one final time and began gathering up all the discarded packets and used antiseptic wipes, 
balling them up into a compact package. With that taken care of, let's move on. We still have to discuss a plan for getting you all back to safety, coordinate our movements, and agree on signals, and I don't doubt that you all have more than one question as well. Yeah, Gwen agreed promptly. Like, what the hell is up with you? He paused for a moment before seemingly realizing something. Sir, he tacked on at the end, dipping his head respectfully. Oh, fucking course. Quinn, he groaned, rubbing a hand over his face as he glared at his friend from the corner of his eye, of all the tactless. But Luke merely snorted and set his hands on his side with a grin, lightening the severe mood somewhat. I suppose that's one way to ask, he noted ruefully. You'll have to be a bit more specific, though. Right, sir, of course, sir. Quinn agreed with a bob of his head. Let me rephrase. How is it that you're wearing an apocalypse survival kit on you? Killed two people, outran and outsmarted many, many mercs actively gunning for us, and had ready access to what seems to be a smoke bomb. Another pause. Sir. You know you don't have to call me sir, right? Luke asked Quinn with a raised eyebrow. Sir, yes, sir. Quinn replied with a wide grin that was matched with a small, exasperated one from Luke, albeit with an added roll of his eyes. Luke snorted and shook his head. "'I suppose that many of you have that question at the moment, am I right?' he asked, directing it towards the rest of the room, but conspicuously excluding Zev. Tyrion shifted and nodded, drawing attention towards himself again for the first time since he got examined by Luke. Thankfully, the redness of his face had abated somewhat. "'I would like to know, sir,' he agreed quietly, almost whispering. "'This isn't exactly what any of us expected when meeting you today, I think. Luke eyed Tyrion and hummed lowly before he shifted over his gaze to Zev with a knowing look. Perhaps, he agreed calmly, though I know that, at least for one of you, that isn't true. Care to help me out here, Zev? All eyes of the room shot over towards him, wide and incredulous, but Zev's own eyes were fixed on Luke, and the knowing, patient, somewhat eerily powerful expression he was receiving in return. He swallowed as he nodded. "'In what manner, sir?' he asked quietly, distantly realizing this was the first time he was being asked to help out Luke in any kind of assisting manner, and it was during this situation. If he was honest, he'd expected his first orders to be to take notes or fetch calf or something of that stripe, not this. "'You know I'm not the best in knowing what is and isn't core-world-appropriate or acceptable.' Luke responded with a wry grin. Mind helping me parse all this out in a manner that won't result in several tangents we don't have time for? This all needs to be as concise as possible while still being understandable. Ah, well, he supposed this was in some form exactly what he was hired for. Yes, sir, he said while nodding his agreement. You can count on me. Wait, Quinn interjected. You knew about this whole, he gestured wildly towards Luke, happening? Zev and I met a couple of months back during the presentation of the Suda Project, Luke revealed with a nod. During that time, he and I got talking about several confidential aspects of our lives, over which we both swore a vow of silence. One of those aspects was the explanation of how I got these skills. If you all want to know more about it, I will require a sincere, binding vow of silence from you all as well. This is information I do not and will not allow to go out unchecked, he finished crossing his arms as his tone abruptly darkened, all cheer dropping from his face in favor of a stern expression that told them all just how serious he was. For a moment everything was silent before... All right, Quinn agreed easily, dipping his hand with a serious but open look on his face. What are the words... Pause. What are the words, sir? He corrected himself quietly. For me as well, 
Tyrion agreed, quiet but with sincerity clear in his face. I'll take their vow as well. As will I, Alon added, oddly quiet and subdued. But Zev could swear the bully looked more than a little curious as well. When Luke gave them all a curious look, it was Alon who jutted his chin out in defiance and looked right back. You saved us all, multiple times in multiple ways. Is it really such a surprise we'd be willing to give you our word in turn? Luke considered the prince, eventually inclining his head. I suppose not, he agreed. Very well, I will require that you all vow that none of you will reveal what I am about to confide unless I release you from your vows. Take it to the grave if necessary, but do not reveal it to a single other soul not already in the know, not even your families or other loved ones. Done, Quinn agreed, voice unusually grave. I, Quinn Montador, give you my vow that I will keep your secret until you either give me permission to pass it on or until I die, my word on it. I, Tyrion Mirane Tehualo of the House of Quara, also give you my word that I will keep your secret until I am either allowed to disclose it or until I can share it to no more, Tyrion agreed with an uncommonly confident and deadly serious voice, closing his eyes as he bowed his head deeply towards Luke. I, Crown Prince Cormus Harian Relux IV of Alun, hereby also give you my word that any secret entrusted will be safe unless permitted to be shared or taken to the grave, Alun closed out. And Zev almost wasn't even annoyed that some of the bully's old snobbery was starting to seep back into his tone. Almost. But for now, none of that mattered as Luke scrutinized everyone present one by one, weighing and considering their oaths, much like he had Zev's all those months ago. He didn't envy his friends and enemies' position right now, remembering all too well how it felt like those eyes stared right through you into your soul, seeing all you'd ever presented yourself to be and all you'd ever hidden about yourself, all your triumphs and all your shames. It felt like a judgment like no other. It felt like one that mattered. Eventually, Luke inclined his head towards all three of them. I accept your vows, he rumbled lowly, and something shivered through the air, and an image of refracting glass and clinking metal moving in the wind dipped into his mind before disappearing just as fast, like cobwebs in the wind. Luke tilted his head slightly, leaning back nonchalantly against one of the crates as he crossed his arms. I suppose I had better begin the explanation then, huh? Luke glanced towards him. You ready, Zev? He shivered and didn't exactly know why before he agreed. Ready. Luke nodded in gratitude towards him and breathed in deeply, relaxing back against the crate. Let's begin at the beginning, he muttered, dragging his hand of gleaming white and gold through his hair, letting the limb rest at the back of his neck as his expression shifted into something more pensive. And that beginning is unfortunately slavery. He looked up and gave them all a long look. I take it you all at least know what that is? Glancing around the room, Zev could see from the expressions ranging in various degrees and levels of discomfort that the others thankfully did at least know what slavery was. Tyrion, more so than any, seems to have a distinct sense of distaste alongside the discomfort, though that quickly changed to horror. Wait, he blurted out suddenly. Wait, what? Are you? No. Luke cut in firmly, voice hard and unflinching as he answered the question before it could reach its unfortunate conclusion. I was never a slave. But my father was. And so was my grandmother. 
In fact, out of my entire family, I was the first freeborn of my clan after twelve generations of slaves. Dead silence. No one dared say a thing, and even Zev could see discomfort plainly written on mask-like or grimacing faces of his friends and enemy, and really, he couldn't blame them. How did you react to this? Even Zev, who had encountered slavery in the Academy, had only done so for the first time there. You didn't really get to see slavery in the core or mid-rim. It was there, sure, but usually it was hidden. Either under a pretty facade or deep in the dirty crags of society, no one from places like the Compnor Academy for the exceptionally gifted would ever set foot. It was one of those issues that was generally agreed to be bad in an abstract sense, but that was far away from them, in those other places. Those uncivilized places. He could hear his mom mentally huffing up a storm at the use of that term, that really only were to blame for their own backwardness. It wasn't their problem. It was the problem of those savages who clearly had some catching up to do before they could be convinced to give up this barbaric practice, and, well, if they were insisting on being backwards and savages, why not take advantage and turn a nice profit? It wasn't like they were to blame for this. Until you started digging, of course, but who even would? Who even cared? It was enough to make Zev sick, but the narratives ran deep without opposition, until, of course, someone like Luke came along to tear it all down. Here was someone from the Outer Rim who ran against everything the narratives used to excuse slavery were, and perhaps most importantly, you couldn't ignore him. Luke wouldn't be ignored. And now, this is where they stood— the four of them in a cramped compartment as far from luxurious as could be, listening to the story of someone who wasn't a slave but almost was. He wondered what was going through all their minds. Luke, meanwhile, continued, uncaring or unbothered by their silence. I was never a slave, he repeated gravely, and there was something deep in the way he said that, something that echoed in ways Zev didn't think he quite understood. However, slavery played an important part in why I was able to do what I was for you all. The fact that many people on Tatooine and within my home community aren't free is a situation that has existed for over 800 years, and since no help ever came, or probably ever will, we took matters into our own hands. In those eight centuries, free individuals within my community have stepped up to the task of freeing our fellow people, with or without the cooperation of slavers. He grinned wide and sharp, with something vicious in the way he bared his teeth. Mostly without. I take it internal reforms aren't exactly possible within this setup, sir? Quinn asked gravely, face ashen. Or a revolution? If you're prepared to take on the Hut Empire? Luke retorted with an unimpressed raised eyebrow. Sure. But we certainly don't have the resources to fight an all-out war against the Huts on just our planet or even in the system. If I may, sir. Zev interjected quietly, seeing an opportunity to put his research on Luke and his home planet to good use. An opportunity he was granted by Luke with a nod and an inviting gesture. All signs in several ancient primary accounts I found point to the Huts having, at some point in the last millennia, invaded Tatooine in order to strip mine it of minerals and metals or something similar, he began, racking his brain for every last scrap of information he'd been able to translate and divine from ancient databases. Thank the Force for having a mythology, history, and sociology professor for a mother. As far as I understand it, he continued, 
Tatooine is a planet under foreign occupation, and has been for centuries, so the inhabitants are behaving accordingly. The others largely either grimaced or looked even more uncomfortable with the situation, but Luke just snorted. Sounds about right, he agreed. The Hutt certainly aren't Tatooinean, no matter how much they may lay a claim on us, I can tell you that much, he huffed. Best we can do is a holding action and one of defiance. We'll live our lives as best we can, knowing that we were here before the Huts, and that, hopefully, one day, we'll still be here long after, Luke sighed, closing his eyes as he tilted back his head. But for now, it's a holding action, a quiet rebellion. We free as many people as we can, despite knowing that tomorrow twice as many may be enslaved again. We fight nonetheless. We live nonetheless. He opened his eyes, and piercing blue looked deep into all of them. Which is where my kind comes in. Your kind, sir? Tyrion asked quietly, looking more than a little distressed with how all of this was proceeding. Runners, Luke answered promptly. We are the ones who run ex-slaves through the first parts of the flight paths, breaking them out of their chains and helping them evade the masters should they give chase. We're the ones who plan the start of any flights, make the contacts, lay the preparations, go in on preliminary missions to scout and communicate with our charges if at all possible, and then who eventually break the person or people out of their master's grasp. We are what the huts would call slave thieves, but this is what we truly are. Runners. Whoa, 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 wait, what? Quinn cried out before immediately being silenced by a frigid glare from Luke. Right, sorry, sir, he muttered, voice significantly lower. I can't believe I'm saying this, Alan muttered, but I agree with Montador. What do you mean by slave thief, sir? Luke raised an unimpressed eyebrow, but dutifully continued his explanation. Like I said, he repeated. Only the slave masters and their supporters would call us that. In the community we are known as runners, and it's our job to break out and escort any chained slave willing to make a break for freedom. We also do things like run messages and supplies to and from the slave quarters on request, but the flights, at least for me, are our main reason for being. Think of them like civilian black ops undercover agents who specialize in hostage extraction missions and the smuggling of intelligence in hostile territory, Zev quickly supplied. Seeing the continued, though lessening, confusion on his friends and enemies' faces, which quickly morphed into varying degrees of wide-eyed comprehension, and the exact skill set and experience that implies, he added on grimly. You're shitting me, Quinn blurted out. He's killed people in front of you, Quinn, he retorted crabbly. I'd say it's safe to say I'm not. I will add that the ideal of any flight is to not leave a single trace or be discovered, or if you are... To already be long gone, Luke added on with an amused look. But yes, I do know how to dispatch any number of species in a permanent manner if necessary. If that's what Zev is implying, I just prefer not to unless there's no other option. It's less of a risk. Zev thought it was safe to say that the silence would be more than enough to hear a pin drop if it weren't for the constant hum of the engines. At least right up until Quinn's stunned face slowly began to drop down into his hand. I can't believe that makes sense, he mumbled. Luke snickered, and admittedly this time around he found himself grinning too now that he was in on the joke. As it turned out, when the shock factor was gone, it was pretty entertaining to see people react the same way you had to the minor earth-shaking revelation that one of your favorite Holonet stars was also, like he'd said, a trained black ops agent. 
something that Luke seems to agree with, as he turns to Zeb with eyes sparkling with mirth. Is this how Corwalders are always going to react to this? He asked with a quick jerk of his head towards the trio, who were processing the information with varying degrees of success. Considering anything like what you do is usually just described in stories, sir, he retorted dryly, raising an eyebrow. Probably. Luke hummed thoughtfully and continued to observe the trio with an amused quirk to his mouth. I suppose I can understand that, he agreed quietly, though Zav got the feeling that his understanding and Luke's understanding of the situation were still two very different beasts, though considering he'd been hired in part in anticipation of that, he supposed Luke knew that too. I don't mean to state the obvious here, Tyrion began hesitantly, but in summary, you are someone trained in the skill sets necessary to break someone out of where they are being held under guard or threatened, correct? Correct, Luke agreed with a small smile. And someone who then escorts them through whatever dangers lie ahead until they can reach safety without being, well, Tyrion continued on, trailing off with an uncomfortable expression, and Zev could understand the hesitation to not want to say either re-enslaved or, well, murdered. Correct, Luke agreed again. And Zev couldn't exactly see where this was going, but he was getting a distinct suspicion. Then, does that mean that you are currently running us through a, a flight, was it? Tyrion posited, and Zev side-eyed the air in wonder. Admittedly, he hadn't expected anyone yet to lay the connections between their current predicament and Luke's own skill set, but Tyrion was definitely proving himself to be quite a bit sharper than expected under his near-constant shyness and somewhat stumbling demeanor. Luke's grin widened, gaining something proud and satisfied as he dipped his head. Correct. Quinn's head shot up from where it was buried in his hands and stared at Luke for a long time. I can't believe that makes sense, too, he muttered, before promptly easing himself back until he was lying flat on the crate, staring up at the ceiling. Don't be obstinate, Montador, Alain sniffed. If Engineer Lars wasn't capable of such feats, you wouldn't be sitting here, so show some respect. Same to you, Alain, Quinn shot back with a single eye open and a glare. Luke merely rolled his eyes and sighed. I'm well aware that we're not all friends here, but... You'll all have to put that aside for now in the name of survival, I'm afraid, he chided sternly. We're currently in a life-or-death situation, and Tyrion is correct. If permitted, I will take you all on as my charges and attempt to run you all through this flight and back to safety. I'll take it, Quinn immediately declared, raising up his hand while still lying flat on his back. But, Luke continued, crossing his arms and giving Quinn a flat look, in order to do so, I will require you all to work together and to not leave anyone standing out in the cold. If I'm going to run you all through this flight, I need to be able to count on the fact that none of you will get into fights, deliberately inconvenience someone, or otherwise try to make this life miserable for each other, he finished with a grim tone. I've had this happen exactly once before in a flight before I started to crack down on it, and it cost the lives of both the fighters because they gave away their position to the slavers chasing us and died before I could reach them. His glare intensified. No hostilities. You can all go back to it after the flight is through, but while you are my charges, you agree to work together. Is this clear? Crystal, sir, he agreed weakly, because holy shit. Alan rolled his eyes. I suppose I can consent to working with these— You don't seem to understand what I'm saying here, your highness, Luke cutting coolly. When I say no hostilities, I mean it. 
That means no insults, no provocations, no disrespect, and certainly no threats. If you agree to be my charge, and will give damn near anything to get you through this alive and well, including my own life if necessary, but in return, you agree to follow my orders, all of them, until we are in a safe place. Luke's expression was thunderous as he stared down Alun, but his voice was calm and soft. I'm aware that you lost someone dear to you, and that I was not acting the most sympathetic towards you when revealing that. For that I apologize, Luke said, offering the shallow bow of royalty with complete sincerity towards Alun, who was watching all this happen with eyes just as wide as Zev was, because what? But if you continue on with us, you will call these people by their names, and you will treat them with respect as equals. If you cannot agree to this, I'm sorry, but I can't risk the lives of everyone in this group on the risk that presents. Alon went paper white. You would abandon me? He whispered, face mask-like and tense. No, Luke immediately denied, not even hesitating for a second. But I would need to split this group and run two separate flights, logic dictating that I run theirs first. I would need you to hide somewhere until I could pick you up, and I would neither be able to guarantee you your safety in my absence or even my return should I die on the first flight. He sighed, running a hand through his hair. I have no connections or accomplices here either, so I wouldn't even be able to devise an alternate route for you under a different runner. And with these hunters in active pursuit of us, I don't even know if you would survive until I could find you again. Silence. Complete silence. None of them knew what to say to that. Whether it was the frank discussion of his own death as a possibility, Alon's death, or simply all of it combined, something about the way in which Luke's sheer pragmatic assessment of the situation put mortality front and center as a possibility and something to plan around was unnerving. Death was... It wasn't something to be so casual about. Death was a tragedy that even Zev could admit frightened him a lot, and it was something to fear. It was the end, and it was failure, and it was so many things, but not... not this. Wasn't it? And yet Luke looked to be deep in thought, but not afraid. Like the idea of his own death meant nothing so much to him as the idea did of being unable to complete their flights. Another core world versus outer rim difference? Luke hummed as he closed his eyes, still deep in thought, but seemingly coming to a conclusion. I suppose there are plans that could be made around accommodating two flights if necessary, he allowed, though they will always carry a higher risk than just one flight, and I would prefer running only the one, as it would take away several factors like time pressure, extreme resource management, sleeping schedules, and, of course, the risk of backtracking through potential hostile-filled terrain. Zav felt himself go cold at the summary of the risk two flights would carry. He hadn't even thought of it, but the simple fact that Luke had... Luke sighed again. Though, of course, I will not force you to agree to something you honestly don't want to. He finished with a permissive smile towards a deathly pale and thoroughly frightened Alun. I'll agree, the prince promptly squeaked out. I won't. Alun clenched his jaw, but dipped his head in submission. I won't disrespect the others, sir. I will not pretend to like them, though, he added with a caustic look in their direction that Zev promptly returned full force. I did not expect you to, Luke retorted mildly. But we cannot allow petty grievances to get in the way during a survival scenario. So while I understand you all have a history, I'm afraid I still have to insist, Your Highness, 
I won't ask anything more than to refrain from any insults or provocations, however veiled, and to use each other's names or titles, if you prefer. Luke added on with a permissive tilt of his head. That will do, Alana agreed stiffly, clearly uncomfortable with just what Luke was dictating. And for once, Zev agreed. Even if he could clearly see and agreed with the logic behind the decision, it would be a hell of an exercise in diplomacy to get through this without breaking that rule on both sides, he can already tell. And what about you lot? Luke asked, turning towards them, arms still crossed. Will you agree to these terms? Hell yeah, Quinn agreed immediately. I'm not about to let myself get outdone by a lun. He grinned towards Luke, and even brighter when Luke only raised one unimpressed eyebrow. I'll behave, sir, not to worry. I'll take your word on that, Luke reminded Quinn severely before turning towards the rest of them. I already agreed, remember? He quietly told the stern-faced runner, and was relieved to see Luke's eyes soften a bit as he inclined his head. I won't cause any trouble. With that, Luke turned towards Tyrion along with the rest of them, Tyrion, who was looking rather more hesitant to agree than Zev would have thought from the shy and admittedly kind of soft air. What about you, Tyrion? Luke asked, tilting his face downwards, which was probably meant to give him a better view of Tyrion, but which served to make his expression more than a little foreboding as well. Will you agree? Tyrion remained silent, face fully angled downwards and hidden mostly from view, though what little Zev could see was more than a little troubling. Tyrion? he asked. The air was quiet from what Zev had seen, but never silent. Not like this, in any case. Finally, the air spoke up again. I won't... Tyrion paused, audibly swallowing. I won't have to hear about my past title again, will I? He asked quietly, nearly in a whisper. That title and everything that came with it. I won't have to listen to that again, will I? No, Luke answered immediately, voice firm and uncompromising. He glanced sideways towards Alon, as did Zev, and he was more than a little gratified to see Alon shrinking in on himself, apparently finally aware of just how much that bullshit wouldn't be tolerated a second time. I won't stand for it, Luke added quietly, dangerously, and Zev felt shivers run down his spine. Tyrion finally looked up from where he was staring at the floor and promptly flushed in the cheeks at the quiet danger that Luke was exuding while he glared at Alon. Not that Zev could blame him. That seemed to have done the trick as well, as Tyrion finally flashed a weak smile and nodded. I agree to abide, sir. Luke studied them all for a moment before nodding deeply and smiling in turn. Normally this would be where a short ritual would take place to finalize this, he mentioned with a smile that spoke of memories and nostalgia, before being blinked away, full focus bearing down on them once more. But since we neither have the time, nor do you follow the same religion I do, we'll just keep it to this, he continued, stepping away from the crate he was leaning against until he was standing roughly in the middle of the compartment, facing all of them. He smiled gently towards them before closing his eyes as his face turned pensive, as if in deep concentration, hands folded into a ball where one hand covered the other fist, situated straight over his sternum. It made for an oddly formal sight as if Luke was praying or something close to it. It was beautiful in a way. And again images of refracting light and the sounds of clinking metal in the breeze formed in his mind, drifting along the edges like cobwebs, but stronger this time, 
and warmer. For a moment he almost felt sleepy as the sudden impression of warmth and comfort, safety, made itself known, soothing his frayed nerves and calming his battered body. Then the moment passed, and Luke opened his eyes, smiling gently, and were his eyes always that blue? Before he could figure out if it was a trick of the pale yellow light, or if it said something about himself that he noticed that, Luke dipped his head towards them. I accept you as my charges, he rumbled. And for some reason Zev felt absolutely perfectly safe in that moment. Thank you, he whispered not wanting to disturb the strange air that was hanging around them, and it seemed none of the others, even Alun, wanted to either, as they all gave their gratitude in similar whispers. For the first time in a long while he felt like he was cared for, safe, and that someone was watching over him. Luke would carry them through this flight, he just knew it. It's my honor, Luke returned warmly, before sobering up again just a bit. But with that out of the way, we will now have to move on to more severe topics, I'm afraid. We only have so much time, and I still need to discuss plans with you on how this flight will progress, as well as how we'll coordinate through signals and contingency plans in case anything goes wrong. I have minimal knowledge of Chitamaske, so, Tyrion, he asked, getting a nod from the air, I'm afraid we'll be relying on you to provide as much knowledge of the city as you can. Of course, Tyrion immediately agreed, doing a good job of looking as serious as he could, but even Zev could see that he was excited to be able to help, which Luke seems to just be someone who inspired feelings like that, but it was still endearing to see how, despite it all, Tyrion was so excited about helping. Luke, meanwhile, began slowly pacing the compartment, hand on his chin as he contemplated their options, or rather as he came up with options Zev was pretty sure none of them could even think of. "'If we're going to get back to safety,' Luke muttered, still pacing, then logic would stand to say that, Hockham's razor, we should head towards the nearest place where we know we'll find it. Or not, apparently. Tyrion, Luke continued, are there any stormtrooper garrisons in the city or something similar? Does the city guard have something akin to this? Yes, the city guard headquarters, he answered promptly. And there's an imperial garrison not far from where we started, in the heart of the city as well as one further towards the eastern outskirts. Luke hummed and tapped his arm with a finger. And if my senses aren't deceiving me, we are heading almost due southwest of where we started, he muttered. Considering that, what would be the closest secure place to wherever we end up? Where could we count on being safe from a small army of heavily armed hunters? Tyrion opened his mouth, closed it again, and took on a thoughtful look. Normally, I'd just say we should head for the Harbor Watch headquarters, but then... Not sure if we'd be able to get there. They're out on an island in the middle of the bay, so they're better equipped to handle both sea and sky traffic, but... Uh, we'll have to either swim for it or find a way to hitch a ride on a vehicle getting there, Luke summed up, looking rather dissatisfied at the idea, and Zev could only imagine what the desert resident would be thinking of all this. Any chance of the latter? he asked tiredly. Air and sea space are both restricted, starting about fifteen nauticals off the coast around the island, Tyrion revealed apologetically. Luke sighed deeply, echoing Zev's own feelings on the matter. All right, so the harbor watch is a bust, Luke grumbled. What about any land-based authorities? What about the city watch and the stormtroopers? Where are they based? Ah, uh, Tyrion hesitated, expression scrunching up in concentration. 
there's an imperial garrison in the east and one in the political heart. There's several smaller outposts scattered around as well, but uh, I don't, I don't know their locations. Tyrion admitted in an embarrassed whisper. That's all right. Don't worry about what you can't remember and focus on what you can. Luke dismissed and reassured in one move. We need a solid goal, not a vague impression to aim for. If the location most concrete to your mind is one of the larger garrisons or the city watch headquarters, that's what we'll aim for. All right, Tyrion agreed, looking much relieved. I know that the city watch headquarters are located about three clicks away from the city hall to the south, I believe, he said while chewing his lip. To the south or to the north, either one of those, and that the first garrison is located solidly to the opposite end of that, if a little further away, so whichever way we go, we'll end up somewhere that'll promise safety. Oh, great, Alon muttered. So what you're saying is that if we'd just gone north or south while running away from those brutes, we wouldn't now have to do all this. I didn't see you suggesting any alternative routes while slowing over Luke's back, now did I, Alon? Quint snarked back, which got Alon to shoot him a caustic look. That's your royal highness to you, Montador, Alon hissed. I'm sorry, your royal highness, Quinn shot back. My mistake. I didn't see you suggesting any alternative routes while slung over Luke's back like a sack of spuds while we were all running for our lives. That's enough, Luke cut in, voice icy cold. Both Quinn and Alon immediately freezing up as they registered the highly irate runners staring them both down with flints of sky blue peering out from narrowed eyes. The both of you, remember your oaths and cut that hissing out. It's bringing nothing to the table in terms of productivity and just wasting what precious little time we have to plan. Sorry, Sorry sir, sir, Quinn and Alon muttered, Quinn ducking his head in shame while Alon averted his eyes. Luke stared them down for a moment longer before sighing and turning back to Tyrion. Continue, please, he bowed with a gesture. Yes, sir, Tyrion agreed with a rapid nod. In either case, we find a safe place to the north and south of the city hall, there's another garrison way out east, but I doubt it will be relevant to our goals, seeing as we're, well, uh, heading straight southwest. Yes, I agree, Luke muttered with a pensive nod. We'll likely have to aim for either of the first two while taking a roundabout route back to the center of the city. That way we can hopefully shake off any pursuers while avoiding those that might have stayed behind. Well, that's going to be a hassle and a half, he muttered. But Luke just chuckled. Not if we regain the element of surprise, he retorted, grinning wide. If we can obscure our movements and gain ground quickly, they'll be forced to guess our trail and either track us down or try and station themselves in such a way that they can stop us. And once we have them on the defensive, it'll be an incredible advantage for us. So basically, Quinn began hesitantly, and Zev grinned as he recognized his friends. Just got scolded, not sure if I want attention again this soon, posture and tone. See, but don't be seen. Sir? Exactly, Luke agreed. And that, fortunately enough, has always been one of my greater strengths. With a bit of luck, prayer, ingenuity, and a dash of cunning, we'll be able to fly under the radar and give them all the slip. He grinned even wider. In order to do that, though, we'll need to be able to coordinate and communicate effectively, and preferably without sound. If I need you guys to hide and not come out until it's safe while I dispatch some hostiles... I need to be secure in the knowledge that you'll all know that and follow those instructions, even if I hadn't said them out loud. And you guys need to be able to know what I'm planning and thinking without having to say it out loud, so we're all on the same page, even if what I'm about to do is drastic, to say the least. And how are we meant to do that? 
Alan asked, looking just as nervous about speaking up again, but it seemed like Luke, unfortunately, didn't keep any grudges as he only grinned wider, to the point that it was starting to unnerve Zev more than a little. I'm so glad you asked, he said, because you all get to sit through a crash course on the signs and sounds we'll be using to signal these kinds of things while we're already in mortal danger. He closed his eyes and breathed in. How lucky you all are, he added on, and now Zev could hear the sarcasm. This is going to go badly, isn't it? Quinn muttered, more than a little despairingly. That depends on how fast you can learn, Luke cheerfully continued. I'll be keeping it simple, so it should be, should be fine, but we'll see. Wait, that's it? Alan asked. That's the whole plan. Go to the garrisonal headquarters and hope for the best. Luke snorted. And a good plan it is. Anything more complicated and we'd be left floundering at the first real setback, he said. And Zev had to wonder just how much experience went into those words. A plan that isn't designed to still work after it goes to pieces is no plan at all. Well then. When do we start? Zev asked, and yeah, he was feeling more than a little excited. Terrified too, but this was... Well, somewhere in the back of his mind, where a younger version of him still existed who hadn't yet lost more than he ever thought he could, he heard the whisper that this was something that looked an awful lot like an adventure, which, granted, was a lot scarier than he'd imagined as a kid, but it was one nonetheless, and if he kept that in mind, perhaps it would keep his thoughts away from how every second could spell imminent disaster and death, and how one of the key aspects of a runner was, apparently that they protected their charges to their death, something that was or wasn't helped by how Luke immediately shot them all a roguish grin that spelled mischief for all of them. He hopped onto the crate directly opposite to them with a graceful flourish and clapped his hands together. Right now, he answered. I do hope none of you are tired from learning for tests yet, because trust me, your life will depend on this information. Groans went up from all around, and Zav retracted his earlier thoughts, this wasn't an adventure. This was torture in the disguise of two blue eyes and a winning smile, and had come to drag him back to his finals, this time with the threat of death hanging above every failure. He wondered if that wouldn't be preferable to having to go through cramming for his finals again. Come now, Luke admonished while clearly suppressing laughter. No need to despair. I promise I'll try to make it as interesting and short as possible. With all due respect, sir, Quinn groaned. I think I'll take facing the mercs over having to do another round of tests. Oh, great, Tyrion muttered under his breath, which only had the runner bite back even more laughter. Unfortunately, you'll have to wait to take that choice until we've reached our destination, Luke consoled with faux sympathy. For now, though, he continued, and this time the grin was positively predatory, you're trapped in here with me, and I'll be going through the list of signs and sounds of survival. Now then, he finished, can you tell me what this would mean? and with that he let out two sharp clicks and a short whistle. Zev blinked. No, he answered tentatively. Good, Luke responded, because then most other people won't either. It's the signal for Coast Clear, join me. If you hear that, you know it's safe to come out of hiding and join up with me again. Why not just come get us yourself, sir? Quinn asked. It would definitely make less noise. Because if I'm using that signal, I either can't reach you all in a timely manner, or I don't know where you're hiding because I told you this and he promptly held up three fingers, separated them, and gestured in a quick circle. Scatter and hide, he supplied. Do I even want to know in which scenario that would be used? Quinn muttered out, and Zev had to agree. That didn't look like a command that spelled good times. Usually in cases when we're cornered by hostiles, and I either have to break cover or otherwise interact with them, 
Luke explained casually. If I don't know where any of you are hiding, I can't involuntarily give it away either, which means you'll have the advantage if I'm killed then and there. Okay, that had suddenly taken a rather dark turn. Yikes. And it seemed Luke realized that too as his smile dropped and full seriousness took back over. Which is why you need to learn these signals, he continued. If I tell you to run or hide, no matter in what way you need to know to run or hide. Yes, sir, he agreed quietly. The others joining them as the full reality of this surreal situation sank back in. And surreal really was the best word for it. Coded signals and sounds that would be used to tell them to hide and run for his life, or for Luke to signal safety. It was like something out of a spy thriller, and yet it was real. Real and dangerous. Good, Luke said, tone still devoid of humor but lighter nonetheless. Then I expect no more complaints, and your full attention will be run through the rest of the signals. Remember them. Your life will depend on it. Sheepishly nodding along with the others, Zev focused his full attention on the runner sitting in front of them, serious and severe as he stood up with hands folded behind him. Now then, Luke said, and Zev straightened up in anticipation and determination. He would succeed at this, or, quite literally, die trying. Let's begin. The text of this story is available on AO3. Theme music written by Jack Dockray, Sputnik, and Sam Gabriel. If you would like to commission me to record a story, voiceover, or character, please get in touch with me using the contact information on my website, which is located at samgabrielvo.com. And there you can find other stories that I've read, as well as links to my Patreon page, to which I hope you will consider subscribing to support me, and my Discord server, where I record things live for your enjoyment. And finally, as always, thank you for listening.